When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Since the publication of Charles Dickens' A Christmas Carol nearly 200 years ago, the story of Ebenezer Scrooge has become familiar fodder for adaptations of all sorts, from ballets to operas to a mime performance by Marcel Marceau. But this 80s flick adaptation has one thing that sets it apart from the rest, comedy. So prepare to be transported by a time-traveling taxicab, a violent but joyful angel ballerina, and a mute harborer of souls as Jerry D., Nicholas Pepin, and I discuss Scrooged from 1988 on this episode of the 80s Flick Flashback Podcast. 7 o'clock, Psycho sees Santa's workshop, and only Lee Majors can stop them. In the night, the reindeer die. Be here. You can't show that commercial. That thing looked like a, the Manson family Christmas special. Think I'm way off base? Yes, you're, well, you're a tad off base, sir. Frank Cross is more than the youngest network president in television history. Call security. Have them change his locks and toss him out of the building. Oh, he's fired? It's Christmas. Thank you. Call the county. Stop his bonus. Watch out. Ah! He's a thoughtful boss. Thanks, boys. Get the nurse. A generous brother. What did he give you last year? Uh, I don't remember. A shower curtain. Did you hear him? I think he dropped something here. And a true humanitarian. I can't get the antlers glued onto this little guy. We've tried crazy glue. Have you tried staples? But his life is about to change. That was a good one. You... Are going to be visited by three ghosts tomorrow at noon. God, tomorrow's bad for me, Lou. As a matter of fact, the whole rest of the week is a washout. Bill Murray. <laughs> Karen Allen. It sounded like you'd seen a ghost. A ghost? John Forsythe. <laughs> Bobcat Goldthwaite. Hey! You do to see me or is this a shotgun in your pocket? <laughs> Carol Kane. <laughs> Robert Mitchum. I really care! David Johansson. Oh, I'm having the weirdest day! This holiday season, see Bill Murray get Scrooged. Hey, back off, big man. That may work with the checks, but not with me. Hello, movie viewers and movie lovers. My name is Tim Williams, the creator and host of the 80s Flick Flashback Podcast. On each episode, I'm joined by an 80s Flick-loving guest co-host to talk about one of the great and sometimes not-so-great movies from the 1980s. From blockbusters to cult classics to lesser-known treasures we discovered on cable TV or the now-defunct video rental stores from our childhood. No matter which 80s flick we choose for each episode, we have a lot of fun sharing first-time watch memories, discussing our favorite iconic scenes, and even learning some behind-the-scenes stories about the cast and crew along the way. If you haven't already, 
Be sure to subscribe and follow 80s Flick Flashback on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or whatever your favorite podcast platform is. And while you're there, leave us a stellar written review and a five-star rating. You can also support the show by following us on our social media pages. Just search for 80s Flick Flashback on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, and TikTok. And don't forget to check out our website, 80sflickflashback.com as well. If you want to take your support to the next level, you can become a financial partner for less than $10 a month. The link to financially support the podcast is located in our episode show notes. And while you're there, be sure to check out more fun facts and behind-the-scenes trivia we just weren't able to fit into today's episode. Thanks for listening. Now, on with the show. All right, well, welcome in, everybody. So glad to have you on this very merry Christmas-themed podcast episode. And uh, we have twice as much fun because i got two guest hosts for this episode. and excited to have both of these guys. You know them. They've been on the podcast before. But first up from Totally Rad Christmas Podcast, Mr. Jerry D. How you doing, Jerry? Hey, how's it going, Tim? Long time no see. Yes, yes. One day we will record an episode about Cobra, we promise. <laughs> <laughs> it's two years of the making but we'll get eventually get to it we, yeah. <laughs> I, I have watched this movie way too many times for a podcast that we've yet to record but that's another story and then from pop culture roulette good friend nicholas pepin how you doing nicholas all right <laughs> i felt that i felt that in my bones man. right i got gotcha. you that's exactly how i am well, glad to have you guys both on the podcast. We're talking about Scrooge from 1988. Now, you've already covered this one on your podcast, right, Jerry? I have. Yeah. In fact, I've yeah. done it kind of twice. So okay. it was like the 10th or 11th episode I did, something around there, maybe 14. Yeah. And then um, I actually went back and talked just about the music. Oh, okay. Scrooge. Yeah. And yeah. so we talked about Danny Elfman's score. And then we also mm-hmm. talked about the songs that were... Um, that were on in the, the soundtrack movie. album. So yeah, it was fun. Very cool. Very yeah, cool. It's definitely one of my favorites. It's uh I can't like it's not Christmas if I don't get to watch Scrooge. <laughs> yeah, know, at least once. So. Yeah. I'm the same way. So Nicholas, I know you have love for this movie for sure. Uh, oh yeah. No, I it's it's I mean we'll get to it, but this is one of my every year Christmas movies. You know. Yeah. I think we're mm. all on the same page with that one. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah. All right, well, I'll start with you, Nicholas. When did you see Scrooge for the very first time? You know, knowing that you're going to ask me that question, I always write down on my notes. Um, <laughs> I honestly don't remember the first time I've seen this movie. Okay. I do remember, though, sometime, I think it was sometime in high school that I saw it for the first time. And I got to say, honestly, like I, if memory serves, the first time I saw it, I didn't like it. Okay. I think I was too young to get it when I saw it for the first time. Okay. Um, sometime in college, maybe right after college, I got talked into seeing it again and then I definitely got it. Mm-hmm. And that's what I was saying. We'll get to it. Now it's one of those, like, <laughs> I have to watch it every year. So yeah. The fact that I've already watched it twice this year means I'm out of the game. <laughs> <laughs> There's never too much. Never too much. <laughs> I, I might be able to sneak one more viewing in. Right. Yeah. Right. So what about you, Jerry? When did you see it for the first time? So this came out in what eighty eight, I believe, right? Yeah. Mm-hmm. So it wasn't in eighty eight because we didn't see it in theaters. It was in eighty nine then, and I remember going to Movie Land Video, it was like a local video store, mm-hmm. and they used to have these like almost like newspapers, and they would kind of show like what new movies were coming out. They'd have like little paragraphs or reviews about them, mm-hmm. and I remember 
grabbing one of these and Scrooge was there. It was the, the classic poster with Bill Murray, you know, mm-hmm. the skeleton hand. Yeah. And I remember just like, what is this? And so my parents <laughs> rented it. And so it had to be sometime in 89 that I saw it for the first time. And I just, I, I loved it, man. It was enough slapstick. Yeah. Uh, like yeah. it was slapstick enough for, cause I was still in kind of like that weird, awkward, you know, phase about to be middle school, that kind of thing. <laughs> so it was enough of that, that the kid in me really enjoyed it. And then also yeah. adult yeah. enough that, you know, that same side of me could enjoy it as well, you know, <laughs> mm-hmm. where, where, you know, you don't know, really know where you fit in. And so just everything about it. I, I, I loved uh, David Johansson as a, the taxi Can't cab drive, was like yeah. the perfect, you know, the, the, the perfect ghost of Christmas past and Carol Kane cracked me up when she hits him with the toaster and just mm-hmm. everything about it. Um, so I don't remember exactly when, but I know it, was, it had to be in 89. And just like uh, you guys, it's not Christmas season if I don't get to sit down and watch it at least once. And it's kind of a bummer because my wife doesn't really like it that much. <laughs> so I have to like watch it on my own whenever I can. Right. And right. Uh, I, I miss like watching it with my family, you know, my, my brothers and, and my parents and just getting that whole, that whole family, everybody loving it kind of vibe. So yeah, uh, I, yeah, it's just, I, I gotta, I gotta watch it and it's gotta be snuck in and it's going to happen. So, <laughs> so thank you for letting me do it for the show. <laughs> always, always glad to help. Always glad to help. Yeah. I did see this one in the theater. I remember that because of course, at the end, you know, before the credits, you know, he's talking to the audience. And I remember being yeah. in the, th- as a kid, I remember being in the theater, like, oh my gosh, this is amazing. That this, yeah, I've never seen like this before. He's like, you know, breaking the fourth wall. We know that term now, but back right. then he's like, oh my gosh, he's talking to us. And like the theater wasn't packed. Like it was an afternoon. It was like a Saturday matinee. There was probably like right. five people in the theater with me and my family, you know? Um, <laughs> so it wasn't like you could hear people singing, but it was just like, I remembered that that scene was, is, is so you know, emblazoned in my mind, but, right. uh, but yeah, we, I remember us going to see, like, like I said, a Saturday afternoon, like a matinee, uh, probably a couple of weeks after it had been out, but I was already a big fan of Bill Murray from the Ghostbusters. Cause you know, that was probably the biggest mm-hmm. movie I'd seen him in before that. I remember just loving it as a kid. And I think you, you're right, Jerry, as far as like, I might've been, cause I, I guess I'm a little older than both of you guys. I think watching it now, there's so much that's absurd about it. Like it's almost like a Looney Tunes cartoon. Like there's very, there's very much parts of it that are like very Looney Tunes. There's some serious parts of it, but it's also very wacky and zany that I think appealed to me as a kid. Mm -hmm. But I also understand what you're saying, Nicholas, like there was also parts of it. Like I was too young to really get some of the humor went way over my head as you know, watching now. I was like, Oh, you know, they got away with some stuff. PG 13 and that one, uh, (laughs) You know, we'll talk about the solid gold dancers and the discussion, the debate in that in that scene. Uh, but uh, you hardly see them. Yeah, which was which was totally and they're ad- really looking. Yeah, they're really, yeah, which was totally ad lib that whole that whole interaction. But anyway, but I mean, I had this on VHS. Uh, I think we still had the VHS because I can actually remember like maybe ten or maybe within the last ten fifteen years going to my parents' house at Christmas. And finding the VHS copy that they had and they have, they still have like a VHS DVD combo hooked up to their TV. And I was like, I am (laughs) watching this right now because it's on, you know, it's on VHS. Yeah. And I, you know, it was before I had a copy to watch on my own. So, 
So ever since then, it's like if I have to go to their house and watch it on VHS, I'm going to watch it every year. I remember a, a few years ago before streaming really kicked off. Yeah. Like finding Scrooge on TV or, or like when it was just Netflix. Mm-hmm. Like I just I was having a hard time finding it. So I just was like, I want to see it. So I just went to like, well, that was when Best Buy was still a thing, too. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> I just I went and bought it on DVD because I was like, yeah. I'm tired of just hoping to get. Yeah. It. Yeah. And it's one of those movies, too, like you never really see it until it's right at Christmas. And so, like, if mm-hmm. you don't buy it during those, couple, you know, November, December, you know, it, it kind of gets they kind of they, they like box it up and put it away until the next year when it comes out again. So, uh, yep. but yeah, I remember I had an old VHS copy from it was a half price book. So it was across the street from me in college. It's the same one that I got that Fletch copy in Purple Rain. Oh, okay. <laughs> from uh, your Fletch episode. Right. And I remember finding Scrooge and it like Emmett Otter's Jug Band Christmas and a few others all on VHS oh, and man. like snatching them up for super cheap because it was the, the 90s, you know. So. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Everybody's going to DVDs. They're, they were selling the, the VHS is real cheap. So That's right. Yeah. So how long had it been? Was it, I guess it's been a year since you watched it for the podcast. At least it's we're yearly watchers. It's definitely yeah. Year, yeah yearly. I hadn't watched it throughout the year. Sometimes I do. Some like there are years where I'll just put it on randomly in like mm-hmm. April and you know <laughs> August and whatever. But uh, this time uh, I hadn't this year. It's it's just been like I said earlier. Uh, off it was just a crazy year. Mm-hmm. So um, yeah, I I hadn't seen it since last Christmas. So it was really nice to go back and dive into it again. It's like a warm blanket. Yeah. What about you, Nicholas? I'm very strict strict on my Christmas rules. <laughs> um, despite despite how my wife wants to have it done, so um, I don't watch Christmas movies outside of like right before Thanksgiving until like right after Christmas. Okay, but so definitely in that time frame, I will have watched it, it, it you know at least once mm-hmm. every every year. So it's been about a year since I saw it. Yeah, yeah. The problem with getting older is like we there's other other movies I want to watch every year, like my mm-hmm. list gets bigger. So it's harder to watch them all uh, in the year. And then there's new stuff that comes out that you kind of want to watch. So, uh, but yeah, this one, this one's still in my, like in uh, my top 10, uh, like violent, watch. violent night. I'm super excited just to go watch. Violent oh yeah. Night. Yeah. 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 yeah so I definitely <laughs> want to go see that. Yeah. 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 Me and Ron were talking about that the other day. So uh, side discussion, we won't get into the podcast, but yeah, but yeah, I definitely want to see that one. And now, these messages. Hey, 80s Flick lovers. Just want to take a few minutes and say thanks again for listening to the 80s Flick Flashback Podcast. I hope you're enjoying the episode so far. We don't have any shout-outs to new subscribers this time, but if you'd like to support the podcast on a monthly basis through buymeacoffee.com, we do offer three tiers of support. We have Cult Classic for $5 a month, be Kind, Please Rewind for $10 a month, and Box Office Blockbuster for $15 a month. You can even receive an 80s Flick Flashback t-shirt if you become a Box Office Blockbuster member, so don't miss out. You can also leave a one-time donation for $5 or more if you choose. Just go to our website, 80sflickflashback.com, or the link in the show notes for more details and how to start your subscription membership. We'll always offer free episodes. We'll never put any of our past seasons or episodes behind a paywall. But it does cost money to keep the podcast running. Since the creation of the podcast, I've personally paid monthly for the website, the Zoom account, various movie rentals and streaming subscriptions, marketing tools, and 
any other miscellaneous expenses that pop up from time to time. If you love the show, then please consider being one of our subscription members through buymeacoffee.com. Every little bit helps, and it's greatly appreciated. Hey, you can also support the show by buying an official logo t-shirt, sweatshirt, or sticker from our brand new online store. There are multiple styles and colors to choose from, so go check out the selection also on our website as well as the link in the show notes. If you want to do something special for my birthday coming up in November or just for the holidays, you can find my Amazon wish list at the link in the show notes. I've compiled a list of Blu-rays and DVDs that I want to add to my collection, some are 80s, some are not, as I move away from digital content and back to physical copies. Hey, if you love 80s pop music and movie soundtracks as much as I do, you can also find the 80s flick flashback movie songs mix playlist on Apple Music. It's full of hit songs like Footloose, Ghostbusters, and Purple Rain, as well as some deeper cuts from 80s flicks like Catch Me Now I'm Falling from Hiding Out, Rhythm of the Night from The Last Dragon, and Babysitting Blues from Adventures in Babysitting. This would have been my ultimate movie soundtrack mixtape growing up if I could have found a cassette tape to hold seven hours worth of songs. Thanks again for listening. I really do appreciate every one of you, and I'm amazed each week to watch the number of new listeners grow. It's because of you and your support that the 80s Flick Flashback Podcast is still going strong. Let's keep the fun going. Now, let's get back to the show. All right, well, let's jump a little bit into uh, story origin and pre-production, which, you know, this is pretty well pretty well known about the, I guess, quote-unquote, feud between Richard Donner and Bill Murray, but... We'll talk a little bit about it. So Bill Murray considered himself rusty, quote unquote, after having left acting for four years following the release of Ghostbusters. He described the success of that film as a phenomenon that would forever be his biggest success. It it made him avoid making movies temporarily because it was such a a big task. He had the opportunity to actually work on Scrooge over two years earlier, but was enjoying his break from working. When he did feel a desire to return to acting, he said the scripts were just not that good, and he decided to go back to the Scrooge project that he found the idea of making a funny Scrooge appealing. Murray was paid $6 million for the role. Hmm. Producer Art Linson justified the figure by saying that for each year Murray stayed away from films, his audience draw and therefore fee potentially increased. At the time, Linson said that aside from Eddie Murphy, Murray's was the only other name that could draw $10 million worth of tickets in the opening three to four days, which is probably a safe assessment for that time. Mm-hmm. Uh, but Murray wanted several changes to the script once he joined the project. Among other changes, the romantic plot with Karen Allen's Claire was expanded and the family scenes were reworked because Murray felt they were quote unquote off. Uh, Murray worked with the screen script writers, Michael O'Donohue and Mitch Glazer, who he had previously worked on Saturday Night Live, which that, Gives you a lot of insight in some of the more satirical parts of the movie. So in a 1989 interview, Murray said that we shot a big, long, sloppy movie <laughs> describing how a lot of film content was not pr- present in the final in the film's final cut. For his part, O'Donohue later said that Donner did not understand comedy, omitting the script's subtler elements for louder and faster moments. He estimated that only 40 percent of his and Glazer's original script made into the film and the surviving content was twisted. The final cut of the film runs for 97 minutes, which I was even amazed watching it this time. It's like, it's a very short movie, mm-hmm. uh, but the production was rife with conflict between Murray and Donner in a 1990 interview with Roger Ebert. 
Bill Murray said that Scrooge could have been a really, really great movie. The script was so good. But Donner kept telling me to do things louder, louder, louder. I think he was deaf. In a later interview <laughs> in 1993, Murray said that he and Donner had different visions for the film. For, I'm sorry, for the type of film Scrooge would become, adding there was potentially only one take in the finished film that was his. He described the experience as having a fair amount of misery and said, that's a tough one. I still have trouble talking about Scrooge. See, and, and stuff like that kind of like, it kind of hurts my heart a little bit because yeah. I love this movie. It's such yeah. a good movie. It's, yeah. it's still turned out. And I don't know if maybe I was just in that, like we were just in that magic age that you needed to mm-hmm. be, but I, you know, it's, well, I mean, I mean, you hate to hear stuff like that because yeah. it's just, it's so fun. Yeah. Oh, and, and you do wonder like, you know, obviously Murray was on set, so he has a different opinion of it than we do because we right. just see the tight 97 minute right, you know, right. finished product and he has all the memories of all the stuff that got cut. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, you know, if they ever if they ever released a Donner cut for this like they did for the <laughs> Superman. <laughs> right. Well, right. Um, I, I wonder if we would have a different opinion of it. You know? mm-hmm. Well, it's true. Yeah. Yeah. Very true. But yeah. It's, it, and the other thing, too, is like, you know, it just shows again how professional he is because he could have been miserable making the movie but it doesn't come across like we've seen i mean i've seen movies where you can tell the person in the movie doesn't want to be there and right, it's yeah. evident in yeah. the, in the film uh as, as nicholas and i have went through a long uh a long list of the worst movies that, that we did in a, a uh, bracket episode on uh, moving panels so we've seen some of those movies but this one i didn't feel that way like like you said jerry it's like I still enjoy it, but I I do see parts of it now differently, knowing this information, like mm-hmm. about how he wants everything louder. Like Bill Murray is scre- everybody's <laughs> yelling in this movie. <laughs> he screams a lot through the whole movie. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. So one of my favorite, which I've I've said this, you know, one of my favorite lines is like, "Grace, you're not going to work late. Oh, if yeah, you yeah. can't work late, I can't work late. And if I can't work late." <laughs> I can't, I can't work, work late. late. So it's like he just gets louder and louder. And I'm like, I guess Richard Donner thought that was funny. But as a kid, I thought it was hilarious. I thought it was so- funny too. Yeah, I love that. <laughs> I mean, and now I think it's funny because it's just a ridiculous thing to say. Yes. <laughs> yes. yes. That's right. Yeah. There's a lot of ridiculous things that are said in this movie. Uh, which another my favorite was after they watched the, uh, the first trailer for the, uh, for Scrooge. He's like, boy, does that suck? You know? Yeah. Like, yeah. <laughs> yeah. I agree. It, it does somewhat diminish some of the joy of watching it, but that's only if you want to dwell on it. You know what I'm saying? It's like, right, you, you just right. kind of have to, I, I think I, I, I lean more into the nostalgia of it because even watching it this time, there's so many lines that I'm saying with him or before it comes out, like I know what's coming and, uh, it's just fun to watch. It, it does. It has not aged as well as I would have liked for it to have aged. Uh, well, but it's still a I mean, good he's, time. he's basically a yuppie, you know, yeah. which, uh, it's not like really super a thing anymore, mm-hmm. but, but you know, it, it is, you're right. It's, it's of its time, mm-hmm. but at the same time, I just, I love, I love how they're able to capture that New York in the 80s kind of feel mm-hmm. and I, i've never been so i uh, not in the 80s so i don't even know if that's <laughs> how new york was but to me like right. that's how new york in the 80s was you know mm-hmm. um, it just everything about it seemed like perfect and and it's just yeah it was it was fantastic 
I think I did go to New York in the 80s, but I was also like 10. So that that version <laughs> yeah. of the that version of New York is not one that I would have known. So right, I, right. I don't know. It doesn't really take away from my enjoyment of the movie. I mean, it makes me think differently of Richard Donner and and Bill Murray. Mm-hmm. But like, I still love the movie. I don't care that yeah. they don't like it. You know, yeah, I, I just it's it's bizarre. Like, I just it's kind of like I'd like them to sit that way. Well, I know Richard donor passed away a couple years mm-hmm. ago but uh um, yeah you, you wonder if like if bill murray was to sit down and watch it now like you know this many years out from having mm-hmm. seen it like if he would have a different opinion of it right but, yeah you know it's hard too because you know thinking that he chose not to do it and then when he did he worked with the scriptwriters to make to make it what he wanted it to be and then you right. kind of give it to the director who then doesn't have the same vision so that's yeah, I mean, I think he can appreciate. I'm sure there's parts of it he appreciates uh, mm-hmm. what it is, but that is probably hard. But I will say, like Donner has said, like Donner doesn't necessarily have as much of a beef. Like he's really, right. he said he was more positive about their relationship, describing Murray as quote superbly creative, but occasionally difficult, as difficult as any actor. So he didn't really think Murray was, you know, that that bad to work with. Donner said that Murray was always in a working mindset on set, believing it made him tired, believing that it made him feel tired. So the crew would do silly things to improve morale. Donner had not worked with an improv improvisational comedian like Murray before who ad libbed many of his lines. And he said of Murray, you don't direct him. You have to pull him back. So <laughs> probably, you know, and you think about, you know, I was kind of thinking about other Donner movies that he's done. Probably the closest would have been, you know, Mel Gibson and Lethal Weapon, but even Gibson's not really an an ad lib person. I mean, he's just right. he's a little bit more eccentric, you know, like I guess you would think Bill Murray is. But Goonies, uh, The Omen, Superman, like his other like big big movies, he really hadn't worked with an improv, you know, actor like that. Yeah, right. I guess he's really not. Donner's not really known for comedy. I mean, True. his yeah, movies right. have a. Yeah. His movies have a comedic bent. Like Goonies is yeah. funny, but it's right. not really a comedy. Correct. Or yeah. or Superman, same thing. You know, there's yeah. humor in it with like Otis and some of yeah. that, but it's yeah. it's not really like a, a comedy. Mm-hmm. You know, you wouldn't think of Superman as a comedy. Yeah, or Lethal Weapon, even though it has funny moments, but it's not considered a comedy. So yeah, right. it was a stretch for him. It was a stretch for him. Well, let's talk a little bit about Mr. Richard Donner, the late great Richard Donner. According to film historian Michael Barson, Richard Donner was one of Hollywood's most reliable makers of action blockbusters. His career spanned over 50 years, crossing multiple genres and filmmaking trends. He began in 1957 as a TV director. By the 60s, Donner had directed episodes of The Rifleman, The Man from Uncle, The Fugitive, The Twilight Zone, and many others. He made his film debut with the low-budget aviation drama X-15 in 1961, but had his critical and commercial breakthrough with the horror film The Omen in 1976. He directed the landmark superhero film Superman in 1978. He later went on to direct films in the 80s such as The Goonies, Scrooge, while invigorating the buddy cop film genre with the Lethal Mm -hmm. Weapon series, as we talked about. Uh, He's also known for co-executive producing movies like Free Willy and the X-Men franchises. So. Mm -hmm. Uh, sadly, he passed away on July 5th, 2021 in California. He was 91 years old. <laughs> so, so yeah. So I guess we haven't, I mean, so Nicholas and I did Lethal Weapon last year. Yep. 
Um, but I don't think Jerry and I have ever talked about a Richard Donner film, but do you have a favorite Richard Donner film, Jerry? I'll let you go first. I mean, literally like all the ones you listed are like favorites, (laughs) but, uh, out of, if I had to pick just one, it'd probably be Superman. Okay. Um, that one is just, I think kind of what started some of my love of superheroes and comic books. And so, uh, just the special effects were amazing at the time. And, um, yeah, it has to be Superman. Fantastic job. Yeah. What you got, Nicholas? I mean, I, Without Scrooge and Lethal Weapon, which I've now been a part of, I'm st- I'm going Goonies. I mean, Goonies yeah. is still a go-to for me. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I'm for me. It's kind of a I love Scrooge, but I think it's a toss-up between Lethal Weapon and Goonies for me. And I think one would probably over would outrank the other one just based on the mood I'm in at that time. You know, if I want to go right. straight action or more like the fun adventure. But, you know, Superman is still great as well. I mean, he's had some really good movies. I mean, that you know, that's one thing about him is, you know, he didn't really have too many bad ones. Um, and one of his... We're, like, we're not counting Lethal Weapon 3 there, right? No. no. <laughs> and I actually did, really like Lethal Weapon 3. I'm yeah, just... yeah. Yeah, 3... <laughs> yeah, 3 wasn't bad. 4, we... Well, oh, well uh, yeah. 4 is probably worse, yeah. <laughs> four, 4 wasn't as great. Uh, but you know, even the movies he did later, like one of his, one of my favorite movies of his, that's a little less known, is called Sixteen Blocks, which came out was uh, is that the one with Bruce Willis? Yeah, Bruce Willis. And Where he's trying stuff. to get the yeah, yeah. 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 Oh, I like yeah. that one. Yeah, I didn't remember. I didn't know Richard Donner did that one. Right, I didn't right. either. Yeah, yeah. So there, I mean, there's some that he did later in his career that you know weren't big blockbusters that he's as well known for, but he was still making great movies even you know as he was aging. So. Um, so yeah, good filmmaker. Uh, sad, sad to know he passed, but uh, moving on. <laughs> <laughs> All right, well, let's jump into casting. Uh, there's so many people in this. I am keeping this very short because I've, you know, have the habit of having a two-hour episode that's an hour and a half of going over the cast. <laughs> so we're going to work. We'll try to breeze, but I have, there's still a lot on here, but we're going to try to breeze through them pretty quick. So of course you got Bill Murray as Frank Cross, Frank Xavier Cross, mm-hmm. uh, best known for his deadpan delivery. Bill Murray rose to fame on the national lampoon radio hour from 73 to 74 before becoming a national presence on Saturday night live from 77 to 1980. Uh, of course he's been in, Films such as Meatballs in 79, Caddyshack in 80s, Stripes 81, Tootsie 82, Ghostbusters 84, What About Bob in 91, Groundhog Day 93, Kingpin in 99. The list goes on and on and on and on and on. But of course, we talked about Bill Murray in our Ghostbusters episode. Uh, so you can talk a little bit more about him. But um, I mean, anyone else in this role you could see besides Bill Murray? No. <laughs> that's pretty yeah i mean i know i know there's been hundred literal hundreds of versions yeah yeah this of, is kind of, of a tough christmas thing carol that way, yeah so like you know it's it's hard to say no one else could be but for this version of it, mm-hmm. right I, I don't i have a hard time really seeing anybody yeah like you had said eddie murphy I, it would just be a completely different movie yeah right? i think it's i think the movie would take on the personality of the actor if you're going to do a comedy version it's going to right. fit whatever the comedy the comedic leaning of the lead actor is going to be so like you said if it was going to be eddie murphy or a steve martin or a chevy chase like though with those four actors right there murray murphy uh what i say uh martin and 
chase mm-hmm. that's you can have four completely different variations of this movie um just because they're going to lean into what their kind of comedy style is i would think right yeah all right so we'll move right along with uh karen allen as claire phillips she made her film debut in animal house in 1978 uh, but she came best known for a portrayal of marion ravenwood opposite harrison ford and raiders of the lost ark in 1981 a role she later reprised unfortunately in indiana jones <laughs> and the kingdom of the crystal skull in 2008 she also co-starred in Starman. Yeah. <laughs> that, that was that was a movie that I wish was never made. Um, she also co-starred in Starman in 1984, as well as this one. Her stage work has included performances on Broadway, and she's directed both stage and film. So when I see Karen Allen, I don't ever think of her as the same person from Raiders of the Lost Ark. Once again, kind of shows her her, her, range. Ra- her range as an actress. Uh, but I thought she was good in this. Yeah. Yeah, I, 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 oh, go ahead. I, I, she was enjoyable, but yeah, it's just, it's just such a different role than, you know, mm-hmm. like, you know, Indiana Jones. Or... Yeah, yeah. <laughs> well, Marion's like feisty and headstrong. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And, and here in, in this version, you know, Claire is just, she's, um, more humble and yeah. giving and not meek per se, but a little bit, you know, there's, yeah, there's a little, a little bit yeah. of that uh, to her. And so it is kind of an opposite role, even though they both have like strong sense of character. Mm-hmm. And so you you have to commend her for being able to to take these roles and and really solidifying them as as something unique and different um, from each other. But but yeah, I mean, she's another one that I I like her chemistry with Murray, mm-hmm. and I think if they had picked someone else, it might not have played out so well. Yeah, yeah. I don't really have any like. There's a few alternate you know, or people they are also considering, but there wasn't anybody that popped up for her, her character. So mm. um, anything to add, Nicholas? Not really. No, I mean, you know, she, she, she did a very good job with what she, you know, with what little she was given. So, yeah. And it's like, it's funny to think that they said they beefed up the romantic part. Cause I felt like they, you know, it had a good part of the story, much more part of the story than the original Christmas Carol. Right. But, um, but yeah, they're really, I mean, there was more, but, I kind of wish that there was a little bit more because it does seem kind of there's, you know, this, I like you, I don't like you, or like, you know, the kind of the ups and downs of the, them getting back to know each other. There wasn't enough time for it to really develop for the nice happy ending at the end, but that's right. Being yeah, picky yeah, and looking at it from looking at it as an adult, as apart from a kid. So, right. Uh, so then uh, one of my favorites, Bobcat Goldthwaite as Elliot Loudermilk. What a great uh, character name. Uh, <laughs> and of course, uh, Nicholas and I talked about Bobcat Goldth- Bobcat Goldthwait in our One Crazy Summer episode, which uh, has another cast member in this movie. If you blinked on, you might have missed him from that one. But anyway, but Bobcat Goldthwait first major film role was in Police Academy Two, their first assignment yeah. in '85. He reprised Zed, yeah. He <laughs> reprised the role in the next two films in the series. Uh, during the fall of 1993, he did stand-up material as an opening act for Nirvana on what would have been their final North American tour. He's made several guest appearances on talk shows as well as comedy programs, including the Ben Stiller show in 1992. I had to talk about this. I don't think we talked about this in the last time we, he was on an episode. On May 9th, 1994, he made a controversial appearance on The Tonight Show with Jay Leno, where on impulse, he set a couch on fire. This incident <laughs> was later the basis of a plot for his subsequent appearance on the Larry Sanders show, 1992. I don't know how I missed all that. I guess it was in high school. Yeah, uh, I but 
uh, yeah, that's, I saw that. I was like, A, that's crazy that it happened. And B, why is that part of his bio on IMDb? (laughs) (laughs) What do you want to be known for? Hey man, I set a guy's couch on fire uh, on a talk show. Yeah, that's, I mean, I just, when he popped up on screen, obviously I knew it was in the movie. I was just like, oh, Mm -hmm. another episode where we're going to talk about uh, Bobcat (laughs) Goldwyn. All right. (laughs) Yeah. and, And I think, you know, when I mentioned about like the Looney Tunes, Especially at the end when like they're ho- when he's holding the the camera crew or the tech the the booth mm-hmm, hostage the booth yeah it's like he's completely Elmer F- I mean he does he makes the Elmer Fudd reference even says, like, you know, yeah yeah uh, that's like that's <laughs> when it really becomes it. like a completely Looney Tunes type of type of scenario but and once again he, he doesn't have a- go ahead do you remember Hot to Trot I do. Was- Yes, uh, unfor- unfortunately, yes, I do. Isn't he in that? Isn't he, he the is. lead in that? Was his lead role? Yeah, I posted that right. one on my Forgotten Eighties flicks one a couple of weeks, like about a month or so ago, mm. and people were like, have, "There were some like I've never heard of this movie, had not known." And others were like, "Oh my gosh, I watched this movie a million times as a kid." Yeah, it was on cable all the it time. Was, it was on HBO all the time. Yeah. I, yeah. I remember. But one of the one of the trivia things for that was like he he turned down that movie so many times but they just kept offering him more money <laughs> and finally he just said i'm i'm just gonna do it because i'm never gonna get this amount of money again i don't care if it's terrible and it's like him and dabney coleman yeah. and virginia madsen it's like there's like decent actors in this and like <laughs> how did you guys get roped into this horrible movie uh and the voice of john candy as the horse so mm-hmm. nicholas you know what we're talking about I've seen it, but it's been so long yeah. that I don't remember it. Yeah. It's, it, yeah. I can't say I've seen it in 30 some years, uh, I, but I watched for, it so many times as a kid. It's like it's right. ingrained in my memory. Same here. Yeah. Exact same thing. Yeah. Yeah. I didn't have cable as a kid. So there's a lot of movies that I didn't, <laughs> you know. You missed out on. Yeah. I didn't get cable until like 96. So it was the video store for you then. Yeah. If I didn't get it at the video store, it was at a, like a, a friend sleepover, you know. It yeah, was, right. Yeah. So good old Bobcat Goldthwait, but yeah, but I mean, another another person that his role isn't like huge. I mean, it's fun when he's on screen, his you know little bits that he has. Right. Um, I especially love, and it's funny because to see like you've at this point when the movie came out, you'd seen him as Zed on the police kind of movies, <laughs> yes. and the 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 outrageous voice, which of course we all know is not his real voice. So to see him as like this, you know, executive in the suit and tie, and even though he's still got a little bit of the voice thing on, it's like that to me was even as a kid was like really funny. Like that was, it was like a joke on top of a joke of him. Right. Being like, how did they get Bobcat Goldthwaite to be like this executive, like straight laced, you know, Mr. Cross yeah. uh, at the beginning, which I thought was, was great. Um, but he does, you know, he makes a hard left. Like he doesn't even make it home. <laughs> and he's already a drunk and he's already bought a uh he's coming back to shoot up the whole uh the whole TV studio, which we don't recommend or uh no, we do not condone or, or condone, exactly. So <laughs> all right, well moving on. Carol Kane as the ghost of Christmas present, uh the great Carol Kane. Of course, she appeared on the television series Taxi from nineteen eighty to eighty three as the wife of Latka who was Andy Kaufman's character. She received two Emmy Awards and a Golden Globe nomination for her work in the series. Over the years, she's racked up tons of credits from Taxi to The Princess Bride in 87, and more recently, the Netflix series Unbreakable Kimmy Schmidt in 2015, which 
was one of my, one of my, me and my wife's favorite uh, movies. But um, but her her role in this one as the ghost was intended to have a body double for the ballet scenes until set designer saw Kane rehearsing the dance and convincing Donner that the resulting scene would be funnier with Kane's horrible dancing, which her dancing <laughs> is pretty terrible. Yeah, well, uh, they were right. Like, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it really played out. <laughs> yeah. Donner and Murray said that Kane would sometimes experience long crying periods during filming caused by frustration over her violent scenes. Like she didn't like beating Bill Murray up at all. Right. Uh, which, Murray, which doesn't show because no, it, it sure looked like she yeah. was having fun. Yeah, she was having yeah a blast. it does. <laughs> uh, Murray endured some physical pain during the encounters with Kane's character insisting that she actually hit him during their scenes together. And at one point tearing the inside of his lip when she Oof. pulled on his lip too hard, which I've read in another article, they had to shut down production for like two days right. for his lip to heal. Cause she had actually torn the skin inside of his lip. She said, I did hit Bill Murray with a toaster and with my wings. And I kicked him in areas that weren't pleasant for him. She said, <laughs> I had fun. I don't think it was fun for Bill because he was the victim. I just did what the stunt people told me. And when I had to flap my wings in his face, well, I really couldn't control them. So I guess he was having mixed feelings because there it sounds like she had a good time. And other times it says she was crying. So, uh, you know, what part of the Internet do you want to believe? We'll <laughs> little like, column A, funny. little column B. Yeah, yeah, exactly. It's probably a little bit of both. A lot of these are almost like cameos because they're not like long parts of the movie. But um, she was fun. And I, I will say like her that that scene was like the, the the part of the movie that my dad laughed the most. Like he, I remember after the movie, him talking about my favorite part was like, you know, when she was sitting in with the toaster, I guess it's the slapstick stuff that, that he enjoyed, but all right, moving on. But then we got Alfred Woodard as Grace Cooley. Uh, I love Alfred Woodard who has not aged in 40 years. It doesn't seem <laughs> right. Like. Uh, so she began her acting career in theater uh, she made her film debut in Remember My Name in 1978. In 1983, she won major critical praise and was nominated for an Academy Award for Best Supporting Actress for a role in Cross Creek. I have no idea what that movie is. Uh, in the same year, she won her first Primetime Emmy Award for a performance in the NBC drama series Hill Street Blues. Uh, she's been in other, you know, she's been in a lot of guest spots. Uh, she's never mm-hmm. been like an A-list actress. But when you see her in like any movie or anything I've ever seen her in, automatically adds credibility mm-hmm. like when she shows up and like oh Alfred Woodard's in this like this you know this is going to be a real meaty part so she, she has a she gravitas good. to her yes that a lot of actors agree. don't have yeah yeah, yeah I would agree, I agree with that yeah. yeah I put on that like of course Angela Bassett is probably one of the greatest you know actresses that has the same kind of gravitas a little bit more well-known I would think Viola Davis like that that level but I think Alfred Woodard is just as Deserves the same, you know, praise and awards that they've all received, which I guess she has just earlier in her, you know, earlier in her career than they. Had right. Been. Well, I, I liked her character. I mean, I thought it was I thought she brought I mean, she, a, she brought some good stuff to the movie for sure. Yeah, she's a great Bob Cratchit. It's yeah. a it's a nice spin um, where, you know, she just she wants to take her kid to the doctor. She made yeah. the appointment months ago. And like how many of us can relate to that you know mm-hmm. it's like we we got to get this done because this is the only time <laughs> slot they have and yeah um and then not being able to go so i mean it's just everything about her her performance when when he finds uh her son you know calvin on mm-hmm. set and she like snatches him away in that protective yeah. mother role same thing like yeah. you can tell if, if he had said the wrong thing she would have immediately left oh, yeah, yeah. I, I mean it's just yeah 
I, like, buy, I buy it. Yeah. I buy her performance. She's all in. And, and I thought she did a fantastic job in that role. I, like, yeah, I mean, go ahead. She go does. Ahead. Some, she does some real heavy lifting with, again, same with Karen Allen. Like neither of them have a lot of screen time or a lot of, a lot of, you know, you know, scenes, but when, when they're there, they do a lot of heavy lifting and really, right. mm-hmm. you know, help move the movie along. Bill Murray, obviously, is is the show right but right. you know without without those two without you know, the, those two women like i think the movie the back of the movie you know really falls apart mm-hmm. right mm-hmm. yeah I, I completely yeah, agree yeah i was gonna say like i like that she added some animosity like she wasn't just the doormat of as the assistant like you know you can tell she's upset when he sees like what is this on the wall and she's like my son drew that what is that you know and she you know she she may not say it verbally every time, but she does let it, you know, it's seen on her face that she's well, she, like, you're right. She's not afraid to say it, you know, like yeah. when she's, he's like your brother, your only brother. Yeah. yeah. Give him the towel. You yeah, know? yeah. Oh, your brother's in there. I didn't tell him about his towel. I mean, just, yeah. you know, she, she's not afraid to like give it back to him, which right. is good. Right. Someone needs to stand up to him. Exactly. So that, that, I think that's the part of her career that I like the most that it wasn't, she wasn't that like, Oh, I'm just, you know, I just got to take it and, you know, be like the doormat character. Right. Like you can tell she's, you know, he's not being fair to her and, you know, she doesn't, she's not getting her due, uh, you know, but she doesn't, she lets him know it at the same time. So which right. I thought was great. All right. So then we got John Glover as Bryce Cummings, Mr. California, <laughs> known for a range of villainous roles in films and television, including Daniel Clamp and Gremlins 2, The New Batch. Yes. And Lionel <laughs> Luther on the Superman-inspired TV series Smallville. He is also the voice of Riddler in the DC Animated Universe, making appearances in Batman the Animated Series, the new Batman Adventures, and Superman the Animated Series. Mm-hmm. I recognize him immediately from Gremlins 2. Gremlins 2 is where I knew him uh, most from. But there was yeah. also a movie from like the late 80s, early, I think it was early 90s, though, called El Diablo. I think that's what it was called. Okay. And uh, it's with stars the guy from ER and Revenge of the Nerds. I can't remember his name at the moment. Oh, Anthony Edwards. That's him. Stars Anthony yes. Edwards. And yes. He's like a writer. He's searching for like this, this famous cowboy that uh, supposedly does all these things. And it's set in the Wild West. And it's like ridiculous and terrible. And he plays a <laughs> preacher in there. But they all he meets these characters. They all get this redemption. And um, mm-hmm. so it's like that one I remembered him from. And, and of course, uh, gremlins too, where yeah. he's, you know, in charge of the whole thing and, mm-hmm. uh, he has to help stop the gremlins and kind of fool them. So. Yeah. Yeah. But I liked him in this. I mean, once again, a little kind of a throwaway character that he adds some, some life to. Well, he plays a real good LA slime ball. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I know I'm coming at you pretty fast. This whole little, little, <laughs> there is no I. In T E A M. Yeah. <laughs> that was the first time I ever heard that expression. Was I think time. it was, I think it was my first time as well. I was, well, when you said that, I was like, I think that was the first time I heard that expression. I mean, he was, he's just one of those that guys for me. Yeah. Like, mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, yeah. That guy. I've seen something. Yeah. You know. mm-hmm. <laughs> right. All right. Well, let's jump into the cameos. Uh, the film features three of the Murray brothers. You have Joel Murray who is one of the party guests, Brian Doyle Murray as plays his father. And of course, right. John Murray plays his on-screen brother, James. So Joel Murray was the other Murray brother from one crazy summer, which you only oh, see yeah. him for like two, two or three seconds as the party guest. And then of course, Brian Doyle Murphy, this is his second Christmas movie. Cause he, of course he was Chevy Chase's boss, uh, Mr. Shirley and Christmas vacation. Next which year, I just, yeah. Which mm-hmm. I just rewatched this week as well. 
and then John Murray played his on-screen brother James, who I think he had a starring role in. Oh gosh, it's another forgotten eighties flick that I did earlier this year. It's like driving school, school. I can't remember the name. Of, basically, it's it's a bunch of people that are having to take a driving going going to driving school. It's like a police academy driving school kind of a. <laughs> anyway, so but he was the he was the quote unquote star of the movie. And, uh, uh, it, gotcha. it's once again, it's a forgotten eighties flick for a reason. Yeah. Forgotten. This film also features the final appearance of the solid gold dancers, which made me, maybe shed a tear a little bit. Cause I remember many, many Sunday or Saturday or Sunday nights, me and my sister running to the TV to watch solid gold. Really? Yes. Do you know what we're talking like about? The Nicholas? only person I've, I've ever heard I mean, that says they've watched like the solid gold dancers. Oh yeah. I, I, solid gold, I mean, yeah. I remember it. Yeah. I, I know it. I remember it existing. Um, so it, it probably came. I mean, I probably watched it yeah. occasionally, but I don't remember it being appointment TV for. Yeah. Yeah. No, same. Well, here. they, yeah, I think they said like the show basically got like wh- between when the movie was filmed and when it was released, the show got canceled. Mm. So that's why it's their final appearance. So you got to think 86, 87 maybe was when it, I mean, was when it was canceled, which means that it, People hadn't been watching it probably for <laughs> for two or three years because it was syndicated. It wasn't like it was right. a primetime show, right. so uh, they weren't they weren't bringing in like huge ratings. But I do remember the segments of of Solid Gold were like because we would watch Solid Gold because you would have like the actual you know music stars would be lip syncing. Of course, they weren't singing right. their songs for real on the show, right. but it, whatever whatever like in the top ten song, whatever the top ten songs that week were that the artist wasn't there the solid quote unquote solid gold dancers would then dance to like 15 seconds of the song. So that's what I remembered them from. So mm, for all yeah. those of you out there who never saw an episode of solid gold, that's the best I can give you as a recap. There actually is a, <laughs> like a Christmas episode, I think of their like oh. a Christmas special. <laughs> have you covered that yet? Cause like, I have not. Sign me up. I don't know anybody that has watched it, but now I do sign me up. I'll we find, let's find it on YouTube and I'll gladly rewatch it. It's there. Yeah. I've seen it. <laughs> I'm sure. Yeah. The- yeah, yeah, no, I, I, I wouldn't, uh, I wouldn't call, call me for that one because uh, I don't, <laughs> I don't, I don't have near the memories. I know, I like I said, remember they existed, right? So like it wasn't like it wasn't like when they came on screen. I'm like, who is this? I was like, oh yeah, that was a thing. Like, mm, that yeah, was, yeah, right, right. All right, so then we got John Forsyth uh, from Charlie's Angels and Dynasty fame as Lou right. Hayward. So we just want to just just a brief mention of him. Uh, I thought this was fan- fascinating. Comedian Sam Kennison was considered for the role of the ghost of Christmas past before it went to musician David Johansson, who was a personal friend of Bill Murray. So mm. Kennison didn't get, th- didn't get it because Murray had pull was, and, and Jerry may little... know this better than me, but is that, is he the same guy as Buster Poindexter that had the yes. song like a hot song? Okay. Yes. I just, I, yeah. I actually had that in my notes. Though. Okay. Yeah. He was the leader. Yeah. Of yeah. the New York yeah. dolls. And then he kind of had a little solo career as, as Buster Poindexter. <laughs> gotcha. Yeah. Cause yeah. I think when yeah. he was in the movie, like I remember like seeing the video for that song, like, Hey, and that the guy from the group ever. So yeah. And then the yeah. New York dolls and Buster Poindexter are two very different bands. <laughs> yes. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. The New New York dolls. Very early punk, 
Buster Poindexter. Uh, like glam punk. Yeah. 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 I remember when I first found that out, like, what? That's mm-hmm. the same guy? Yeah. I mean, <laughs> I remember thinking they look similar, but. Yeah. Uh, and I yeah. think because in the credits of the movie, it didn't say Buster Poindexter. So I no, mean, it, it, it says must, his real name. Yeah. Must be something or something else. So, but he didn't really do much you know outside of this movie but uh but anyway well he was in uh let it ride with uh, richard dreyfus do you remember yeah, that one i saw that one yeah unfortunately <laughs> you and you and these I, horse racing movies what's that's going on that that one <laughs> <laughs> my side hustle I was gonna no, say, uh, yeah. uh no again it's just another one they would always show on hbo and yeah you know we couldn't watch like everything on hbo right because so, uh, right. i had younger brothers so it was like okay, this one's on. We can watch. We're allowed to watch this one. So yeah. I watched that one a lot. But I remember him from that one as well. I think he was also in that, uh, what's that Mr. Nanny with uh, Hulk Hogan? Oh, oh my gosh. <laughs> Your examples keep getting worse. <laughs> <laughs> well, it's not like he's like an actor. You know no, I, I got mean? you. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so, like, no, I mean, he's he's been in a lot of stuff, but you know, he's obviously much more known for his music. Music. Than, yeah. His acting, yeah. but... Yeah. Yeah. I think Sam Kinison, because he played a ghost of, of uh, well, no, he played an angel. He played like the Clarence role. Yeah. In an on episode the, of Married, with, Married Children. with Children. I remember that. Yeah, I, I, remember, yeah. I, re- I had that episode recorded on VHS and used to watch <laughs> that one every Christmas when I was younger. Nice. So. <laughs> but that's, yeah, I don't think, I don't think it would have played as well. No. Like something about no. uh, David Johansson. I don't know if it's just his accent or yeah. or what but it, it like definitely really yeah it definitely plays. kept that that new york cab yeah. vibe yeah. more mm-hmm. so than kennison would have brought to it right so, of course donner yeah. would have loved him because he's loud because he's so. loud yeah <laughs> <laughs> all right so moving along we got robert mitchum cameos as frank's boss preston yeah. rhinelander the actor was not interested in the small role but donner asked him to meet with murray who convinced him to take the part so uh robert mitchum uh a famous actor from like the fifties and sixties, a lot of Westerns and stuff. Right. Mm-hmm. Uh, probably my favorite cameo of all Lee majors cameos as himself <laughs> in the film after being con- contacted directly by Donner majors With- appeared in the opening scene, helping to save Santa Claus. Fun fact majors was armed with a stripped down M one thirty four minigun, the same one featured in predator, yep. which was, which he found difficult to carry due to its weight. So well, uh, yeah, I mean, uh, Jesse Ventura had it first. Exactly, so. exactly. <laughs> um, Dude's got muscles for days. Yeah, yeah. Another or, well, did but did yeah. yeah yeah. Another fun fact is Donner actually was a, is a huge Chuck Norris fan and wanted him for the lead major's part originally, but Chuck was filming something else at the time, probably uh, Invasion USA one or two or Delta Force, <laughs> uh, something for a Canon Films, I'm sure. Right. Uh, yeah. Yeah, but yeah. He was he was under that contract there. Yeah. Um, but yeah. I think, man, I would have loved it with Chuck Norris in there. Mm-hmm. Uh, I did find it funny that he was Lee Majors and not, you know, uh, Colonel Steve Austin. You know, he was <laughs> it was like himself. Right. Right. But then they even say the six million dollar band. So, mm-hmm. again, it's almost kind of meta with some of its. Yeah. Some of its humor yeah. there. I This is probably one of my favorite openings of a movie. Because Ever. of how it, yeah. yeah, because how it opens into the whole like commercial for the the night the reindeer died, uh, <laughs> which you can get as one of our t shirts on our uh online stores. Please go check it out and buy it. Snatch two them or three. up, guys. Um, 
But I, can I can I say that that's a Christmas movie? I'm still waiting to be made. Why haven't they yeah. not made you know the night the reindeer died? Uh, but then you know goes from that to you know was it Robert Goulet's Cajun Christmas? Bob Goulet, yeah, <laughs> yeah. They even say Bob Goulet. They don't even yeah. say Robert. Yeah. yeah. So <laughs> like that, those little parodied shows, which once again shows why it was SNL writers that were part of the script. Uh, that had me hooked from the beginning uh, yeah. of the movie for sure. Well, just to continue to referencing uh, episodes that I've already done with you. That the the night the reindeer died, or the night that uh, you know Lee Major saved Christmas, right? Really reminds me of that Weird Al song, "The Night Santa Went Crazy." Yes, like it, yeah. <laughs> oh, good oh, old Lee man. Majors, good stuff. All right, so other cameos include, and these are going to be real quick: Miles Davis, Paul Schaefer, mm-hmm. Larry Carlton, and David Sanborn as David Sanborn musicians. on sex, man. Yeah. Uh, yeah. That was great. Uh, John Houseman as himself. Unfortunately, he right. passed away shortly before the movie came out. So this was his last role. Yeah, it was like uh, a month before or something. Yeah, yeah. Robert Goulet as himself. Buddy Hackett as Ebenezer Scrooge on the TV version. Uh, mm-hmm. Mary Lou Retton as Tiny Tim Cratchit, which mm-hmm. that made me laugh because if you, you know, once again, in the 80s of all the Christmas specials where you have like just the weird stunt casting, I guess they right. still do that today. So and then I love uh, Frank explaining it like she doesn't just, you know, throw off the cutches. She does a double flip somersault, you know, uh, like he's trying to sell <laughs> well, it. Well, I was going to be so great. Go ahead. Children, lo- children love an acrobat. Exactly. Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> uh, then you got Jamie Farr as Jacob Marley on the TV version. Pat McCormick as the ghost of Christmas present in the TV version. And Anne Ramsey, of course, uh, Mama Fratelli. And her husband, which I didn't know that, Logan Ramsey, as two people in the shelter. So that was real-life husband and wife uh, as the shelter couple. I nice. didn't realize that. Um, and then, of course, you've got the Richard Donner regulars, Mary Ellen Trainer as right. one of the executives. Why her name is Ted in the credits, I haven't figured that out yet. <laughs> uh, but, of course, she appeared in many of his films, including The Goonies as the mom and all right. four Lethal Weapon movies. Lethal Weapons, yeah. And then Stephen Kahn, who most people think is Richard Donner because they look so much alike as the studio technician <laughs> uh, at the end. But Richard Donner is in this movie, and I did not see it until today. At the very end of the movie, when he's doing the whole thing, this theater, this side of the theater, Richard Donner is standing behind him, and he's got uh, Alfred Woody's uh, Alfred Woodward's character's son the tiny Tim character, I guess is on his shoulders kind of dancing. So you can tell this is all like after the movie is wrapped, right. just kind of like all hanging out. And it's just very letting... moonlighting. Do you yeah. remember that the episode of moonlighting is like their first Christmas episode and they go through the whole thing. And then at the very end, they like just pan, they walk through a door and it's like just the set yeah. and the crew and they're I all just singing. Remember that. Yeah. And it's all behind the scenes. It's kind of like you get that vibe after the movie's done. They're all just kind of, you know, put a little love in your heart. Yeah. Just yeah. singing a, yeah. <laughs> I'm, I'm now i'm curious like who did it first like which one was that episode first or was the was scrooged first i don't remember what year it was from yeah, off the top let's of my head. It out. yeah. So, uh and then lastly blink and you'll miss before they were stars cameos which i noticed this one to this this time but do you know who kathy kenny is oh yes. yeah Drew mm-hmm. from uh Mimi, Bobek. Yep. yeah so she is the ibc nurse that's attending to the uh yep is sensor lady sensor lady sensor, yeah. yeah yeah i did not know that was her until like this time watching it and that was before i saw it in the notes i was like she looks really familiar and then i realized who it was 
and then Wendy Malik as Wendy Cross, uh, yep. which is James's uh, his, his, his wife, wife yeah. uh, before she was on the TV shows Just Shoot Me and Frasier. So she had a little bit of a bigger role than Kathy Kenny, but thought those right. were two definitely worth mentioning. So, so anybody else in the cast that I may have overlooked <laughs> that you wanted to bring up? Uh, the only other name I have written down that you didn't bring up was uh, Michael J. Pollard. Yeah. yeah. Oh yeah, yeah. yeah. Herman. He. Yeah, yeah, Herman. He's he's what also like many of the people in this movie. Mm-hmm. One of those that guys. Yeah. Yeah. Hey, I know that guy. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Right. <laughs> yeah. There's a lot of that guys. And he'll he'll forever be the guy in Tango and Cash, as he was the <laughs> uh like kind of like the gadgets guy that they got the truck. Hey guys, I just want to make sure you. You're doing, you're treating the truck, you know, however he is. And the, 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 anyway, <laughs> I love Tango and Cash. Uh, but anyway, but yeah, but he was great in this. I, I had, I had him down, but then I, I was trying to edit for time. So, but, but glad you brought him up because he's definitely worth mentioning. And now these messages. What's up, dudes? I'm Jerry D of Totally Rad Christmas, the podcast that talks all things Christmas in the 80s toys, movies, specials, music, books, fashion, and fads. If it was gnarly during Christmas in the 80s, he's got it covered. Wait, is there a lot of things to talk about for the 80s and Christmas? Well, you got the movie giants like Christmas Vacation, Scrooge, and A Christmas Story. There are TV specials like Muppet Family Christmas, Claymation Christmas Celebration, and a Garfield Christmas Special. Plus classics shown every year. You also jam out to Last Christmas, Do They Know It's Christmas, and Christmas in Hollis. But most of all, it was a time for the most bodacious, best-selling Christmas toys ever, like He-Man, G.I. Joe, Transformers, and Cabbage Patch Kids. Yes, them too. We cover them all, plus much more, including standard segments like Hap Hap Happiest Memory, Gag Me With The Spoon, The Other Half Of The Battle, and Chant With The Littles. So tune in to Totally Rad Christmas everywhere you get your podcasts. Turn the clock back and dive into those warm and fuzzy memories. Later, dudes! <sighs> what seems to be the problem, pal? There's just so much pain in the world, so many issues, I don't think I can bear it. Well, friendo, it sounds like you could use a dose of pop culture roulette. Pop culture roulette? What's that? Some sort of pop culture themed podcast or something? That's right, sonny boy. When hope seems far, dive into some PCR! But I already get my entertainment news from Variety. Huh, that's pretty good. If you're a chucklehead, PCR gives you news you need, condensed, unfiltered, and raw, from three nerds who know a little something about something. Wow, okay, sign me up. That's the spirit. Pop Culture Roulette. New episodes every Monday, available on all major podcast directories. Comic books have been around for almost a century, and in the last two decades, we've finally gotten to see many of these characters brought to life in movies and on TV. On the Moving Panels podcast, we discuss movies and TV shows based on, inspired by, and adapted from the world of comic books. Join me and my guests as we discuss both the good and the bad from Marvel, DC, and even some of the lesser-known comic book companies. Learn what is and isn't from the comics, as well as our nerdy review of the movie or show. New episodes drop every Monday, and you can find us wherever you listen to podcasts. So join us for Moving Panels, and I'll see you on the other side of the page. All right, well, it's our favorite time, iconic and favorite scenes. Uh, I'll let Nicholas go first. What you got? I mean, it can be either or or both. Yeah, to say for favorite for favorite scenes, I've I've got a few, but okay. um, 
I the first one I wrote down without rewatching the movie was Carol Kane beating Bill Murray. <laughs> yeah. I mean, yeah. I know it's a line that I can't fully repeat on this right. podcast, but when he hit when he hits her with the toe when you know when she hits him with a toaster and he's mm-hmm. like, She hit me with a toaster. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. I wanna say like that scene or parts of that were pretty heavy in the trailers. Like I remember that mm-hmm. being, you know, him getting hit with the toaster was pretty pretty well in, in emblazoned in my mind. So Yeah, but just like you know, her she's doing the bad dancing and just runs and just kicks him mm-hmm. right right in the crotch. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. And then well, they even like, do the Three Stooges. Uh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Eye, eye blocking with the two fingers. Yeah. 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 Oh, man, that's a good one. Yeah, she just beats the t- the stuffings out of him. And it's, yeah. Yeah. It's hilarious. <laughs> All right. Well, I guess we'll switch off. So, Jerry, what do you have? You got a favorite or iconic well, my, scene? So, my favorite scene, and I'm sure it's it it's one of the iconic scenes, is, is the end, of course, where he mm-hmm. just goes on his crazy christmas inspired rant mm-hmm. and it's just like raw and emotional and yeah. a little bit manic as manic, well but yeah. just yeah but it's just i mean that's to me that's like one of the the deepest like feelings of like like every time i see it i get all the christmas feels from it mm-hmm. more than i do it in some instances from like charlie brown and i love charlie brown that's one of my favorites but oh yeah, yeah. When just to the character has changed and he's talking about how you you want that feeling and, you know, it's better than he's felt in a long time. And mm-hmm. so, I mean, that's why I do my show, you know, to try to get people to remember <laughs> to remember what how it was when they would wake up Christmas morning. And, yeah. and you know, so it's like I really get that one. And uh, and, and so, I that, of course, that's one of my all time favorites. Um, yeah. Yeah, <laughs> I agree. I I, th- I think that was gonna. That's probably my. The ending is probably my my most iconic. And like I said, I think I've, yeah. I think I've kind of mentioned all mine already. Like the the end credits with him with the you know the this side of the theater that that side of the theater. Right. And the night the reindeer died is still one of my favorite like <laughs> intros ever. Um. I and I you know I like the whole scene of him in the in the uh, the room with the executives and they're looking at the different ads and stuff like that. That's, <laughs> yeah, it's that's a good great. one. It's it's hard to pick just one because there's a lot there's a lot of scenes in this that I really like, um, mm-hmm. but yeah, yeah. I, I wrote that there there are just so many that I might just end up quoting the whole movie. Yeah, right. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. I mean, but you know, I mean, the ending is obviously I think one of the most iconics. Mm-hmm. Right. But then I also have for iconic, not necessarily always my favorite, but the meeting of each of the ghosts. Yes. Right. You know, yeah. You know, you're getting in the taxi, getting mm-hmm. beat. You know. The fake out with the the you know ghost of Christmas <laughs> future, out, but then yeah. actually yeah yeah you know, yeah, the, yeah like when he opens yeah. robes like did our guys yeah. do that yeah yeah <laughs> or when he's like this you know uh, then he, when, then when, when he finally when, meets the yeah I was gonna say when it's the when it's the one for the show and he's like that guy's gonna be a big star, big star. <laughs> yeah. but uh, you know in that scene where he he reacts to the uh, the act the ghost of Christmas uh, future. He really did hit Alfred Woodard in the jaw. I don't know if you ever noticed, like she kind of jumps back. But yeah. he, really did, he really did hit her, which I thought was crazy. Sounds but like sounds like this was a dangerous set. It was a dangerous set. I know, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah everybody's getting for a, injured. For a Christmas right. movie. Yeah. But I will say I do like uh, his freak out at Shay Zay. 
Yeah, I was gonna say uh, I was about to say that's that's I think that might be one of my favorite scenes when the eyeball in the glass. The and, eyeball, uh, yeah. And he's, yeah. He's, I the guys, you were Richard Pryor. <laughs> yeah, the yeah. guys on fire is like ah, and he's like he's just screaming like ah ah. He can't say anything. What, what is it? <laughs> and they're like, just staring at him yeah. like, what are you? Hey, doing, I'll have guy? have I'll, I'll have that's have, Pink Alaska. You don't want that. Yeah. Are you him? <laughs> are you him? Are you he? But yeah, then the snoo- the I didn't get when I was little. Yeah, I didn't. Either. The snooty waiter correcting grammar was was uh, on my list. Oh yeah, just... yeah, yeah. Are you he? Yeah, and then of course after he hits the guy with the with the water, the waiter with the water that's counting his tips. I felt so bad for him. Like, dude, I just want to count my money. Yeah, um, and he makes the comment about Richard Pryor, and then as he leaves, of course, that was him really slipping on water right. and falling and getting back up. Which that and that's yet it's you know, so perfect. Watching anybody fall down is always funny, so it still gives me a good laugh every time I see it. So, oh, I do like. Uh, what does he say? I've never liked a girl enough to give her twelve sharp knives. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> There's some great lines in this movie for sure. Um, I should have wrote them down, but I always hindsight. But yeah, I uh, I enjoy the running gag of the censor getting beat. Like, <laughs> yeah. Like, like you know just. Constantly okay. getting hit somewhere, yeah. Right. Or yeah, like when when uh, when the the dancers are are dancing, the solid gold dancers are dancing, and he's like, "Should I move her neck?" No. And he's like, he's like twisting her neck to the side. <laughs> see, you just needed to see it in context. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, but yeah, and then she gets hit with the uh, was it like a barrel or something? She gets or she, she rolls she gets into hit her. with so many different yeah. things, yeah. and then the set falls on her head when she's yeah, when she's right. all bent. She's all bandaged right. up, sitting in the chair, and the right. set falls and hits her in the head. Once again, she that, gets that, to she gets to make out with Bryce at the end. Yeah, as I say, once again, <laughs> very, under the mistletoe. She's very Ish. much one of the Looney Tune characters, where it's like it's just the most absurd things that happen. Right? Uh, yeah, like why? Why is obviously you know she sees Bill Murray kiss a solid gold dance, and all of a sudden now she's you know can't control herself to go jump on Bryce. <laughs> and stand up. I'm like, this, it was funny as a kid, but now I'm like, what rational human being would do this? Like, this doesn't make any sense. But yeah, uh, no, but she yeah. did have a fair amount of head injuries going into that. That is so, true. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> this is true. Yeah, it's true. She's not blame a rational it. human being. <laughs> she's not rational. Yeah, blame it. Yeah, blame it on the, the head trauma. That makes sense. So, uh, any other scenes we want to talk about before we jump into trivia, there, which would probably bring some more scenes up? There is one thing that that I it definitely didn't catch it until I was older, and now that I see it, like. They never reference it. It's just on the wall in the background. Mm-hmm. It's when his brother comes to meet him in the first in the office and he's on the exercise bike. Yes. And he yes. goes to wash his hands and it's just on the back of the wall painted cross. A thing in which people get nailed. Oh, what is it? oh yeah. 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 Um, a thing that they nail people to. Right. Like, right. It's like it's so random and weird, but yeah. just like and the fact that they don't reference it only makes it weirder. Yeah. Like, yeah. I but mean, it's I, like it's it's his last name, and it's kind of absolutely. showing you what kind of character he is. Like that's right, what right. he thinks of himself. Is like I want my last name and this definition of my last name plastered in my bathroom, so I yeah, can see it every so, day. It's so bizarre, well, but then, it like, oh, go ahead. Yeah. Ever since I like I said, I, I don't know how many times I saw the movie before, mm-hmm. and I'm not sure if somebody pointed it out to me or if I just happened to catch it. But now every time I'm like, yeah, I yeah. don't, I I I enjoy it. It's it makes it funnier, but mm-hmm. it, it's so weird. Yeah, just well, like, I mean, it, you're right about establishing character because mm-hmm. he's there with his brother, and he even says, you know, like, uh, you know what they say about treating people badly on the way up. 
Mm-hmm. And then he says, well, yeah, you get to treat him badly on the way down, too. <laughs> yes. <laughs> so, yeah, he's definitely just uh, mm-hmm. one of those guys. Yeah. It's like his humanitarian award that he leaves yeah. in the cab. Yeah, yeah. I <laughs> love Christmas. Everybody's going to be home watching the boob tube tonight. You know, it's like his... Um, and then when he steals the cab from the old lady, which, oh yeah, <laughs> damn, did you drop something? Uh, is like, and it's like, it's those moments like, why do I like this character so much? But you, you see the redemption at the end, right? but you have to like, really not like him at the very beginning, which Bill Murray mentioned about, he's like, he, he didn't like, he said, it's fun to play someone that's mean. He said, but it's hard to then make that mean person become likable by the end. Right. So that was kind of the challenge for him in the movie, which I think he did pretty good with it. So yeah, yeah, uh, yeah. All right, any other scenes we want to touch on? I all right. It's it's kind of it's a weird scene. Bobcat had just been fired. Mm-hmm. He's bought his first bottle of alcohol. <laughs> He's about to open it. And then for no apparent reason that I can figure out, this is the first time I've ever noticed it, so I don't know. The cab is driving down the road. It swerves. Not to hit anything or hit... It's like it intentionally swerves to spray the water over him. It wets the bag and then it drops. It's like, what? Why did the cab do that? Just to ruin his day even more, yeah. Just, yeah, just to make well, it that much worse. But yeah, I, you know. I do like when the uh, ghost of Christmas past like steals his bottle. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> they're driving by and he just grabs. It. <laughs> sure, honey. Uh, everybody likes to ride the bus to work. Uh, all his little. The one that always got me was the uh, the scrape them off, Claire. Yeah, scene yeah. At the end, when she's all, you know. Oh fancy yeah, she's, and... yeah. That that scene did kind of. It was even weird as a kid, like why yeah. they look like zombified, like all the white mm. makeup. I know it's supposed to like come somebody like they're showing him the future, but it almost feels like it's a dream sequence where it doesn't right. like it's really in reality. Right. Which I thought was interesting. Um and then yeah, kind of get into the serious part of it, you know, then seeing Calvin as an older kid in like the padded mm-hmm. room and like those are very striking images for me as a kid. Like that was, that was, right. it wasn't scary, but it was just like, it was very serious. Right. Um, yeah. Yeah. It's an interesting movie. It's got a lot of different elements, but you know, Richard Donner, he's done the Omen. He's done Superman. He's done Goonies. He's done Lethal Weapon. He's kind of throwing all the, all the, all those in the bag here. Uh, in some of the, some of the scenes, you see some of those uh, same kind of callbacks. Oh, we do get, uh, gosh, what was her name? Was it Mary Ann? from uh perfect strangers in the past oh yeah she's Fina. the one that she's the one that xerox is uh oh okay yeah 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 yeah. <laughs> oh yeah 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 mm-hmm. at the office party ba- balky's girlfriend yes yeah. yes mm-hmm. yeah i forgot about i forgot about that one so yeah that's a cameo mm-hmm. yeah for sure <laughs> yeah uh i will uh, one thing i will say is i wish that they would have done better job with bill murray's hair because he's obviously had a receding hairline all the way back to when he was uh like 20 years old like he doesn't look any younger they just like gave him more hair in the back so it's like so you just have a bigger mullet that's what makes you younger (laughs) well it was the 80s yeah it was yeah they 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 let us do some more imagine imagining there and that's what made me it made me laugh when she makes that comment when she first sees him uh when karen allen's character she's like oh i'm not even seeing your hair this short i'm like but he didn't have any hair up front when you saw him 20 years ago either. So, <laughs> because it's a little shorter than that. 
All right, well, let's hit a couple of trivia things and we're going to start wrapping this one up. So filming began in December of 1987 with Christmas approaching. I like this story. With with Christmas approaching, Richard Donner asked if the production could have Christmas Day off. But Paramount Pictures, those dirty rascals, refused, insisting that filming should continue on Christmas Day. But Donner outwitted them. At the end of the day, on December 24th, he fired the entire cast and crew. And two days later, on December 26th, he rehired everybody. The break allowed the cast and crew members, crew members to spend Christmas with their families. So nice way to find that loophole. Um, <laughs> I thought that was good. I did notice this uh, this time watching it. One of the names on Bill Murray's gift list is Colonel Tom Parker, who was the infamous manager of Elvis Presley, of which Elvis, I don't think I would have yeah. I wouldn't have recognized that. But I watched the Elvis movie a couple of months ago. So, of course, Tom Parker was in pretty uh but I'm I, glad that he I, gave him a towel and it was, he wasn't, didn't get a towel. <laughs> yeah, he, I, didn't get, he didn't get I, the VHS. Yeah. I grew up in Memphis. I know that name. You know the name. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I thought this was, this was cool. During the, when he, when he sees his brother having a little Christmas party, they have trouble remembering the name of the boat on Gilligan's Island. Oh, yeah. Uh, the SS Minnow. Of course, this was a show that Richard Donner actually worked on. So that was a good little throwback for him. Uh, the excitement over a VCR as a Christmas present may seem odd today. When the film was released, a typical VCR cost anywhere from $500 to $1,500. In today's money, that, you know, we're looking like a $3,000 gift that he was giving, uh, while his brother was freaking out. But, uh, that was a, you know, top of the line, state of the art VHS (laughs) home recorder. Oh, man. So funny. Yeah. Yeah. We talked about the scene at the end. So Donner mm-hmm. said he actually saved that for the end of shooting. Um, he told the Texas archive of the moving image about the film's ultimate success hinged on that final scene, which mm-hmm. is why he saved it for the end. He said, when Bill Murray played off that last scene and the way that he did, I felt confident and slightly insecure, but I felt confident that we had accomplished what we wanted. So um, I think that was smart. That was smart on his part to mm-hmm. save that for the final you know, the end, which is why you kind of have all the characters there at the end. You know, you see the go all the ghosts and uh all that right. you know, everybody that he's kind of encountered is there. Um, even though it's like the brother and they're on a different different um they're not there on set, but they, he's talking to them through the TV, which right. I did think was interesting because he makes a comment he like he's gonna tell Wendy something, his brother's wife, but you don't hear that conversation, but there's kind of like this kind of a pause there was like was he says something? hello Wendy yeah yeah but you feel like there's gonna be something that's gonna be like a callback or a sentimental moment but I guess that part had to must have got cut from the final film. I mean maybe I, yeah. I wonder if he never really like approved because we never see yeah. Wendy with him. We only see uh you know we only James. see James yeah. with him. Right. So I just I today that that kind of it kind of caught me of course like he mentioned, he was like, hello, Wendy. And she kind of gives this look like, oh, he's going to say something. And then it goes to something else you don't hear. And I was like, I wonder what was really said there. If that was something that, you know, a, a subplot that got cut from the final film. So yeah, it could be. Um, I don't know. Well, let's talk about box office and critical reception. So Scrooge premiered in Los Angeles on November 17th, 1988, followed by its full release on November 23rd. Scrooge was a moderate box office hit on release in the United States. It earned $18.6 million during its release over its Thanksgiving extended opening weekend. It was the highest earning film that weekend ahead of The Land Before Time and Oliver and Company, both in their second weekend. So it beat two animated films. 
Wow. Uh, it made Scrooge the fourth highest opening weekend of the year. So he definitely brought in the audiences for that one. So Rotten Tomatoes has it at 69% on the tomato meter with a 71% audience score. IMDb has it 6.9 out of 10 with viewers and a 38 on Metacritic. Metacritic is just uh-huh. terrible. Well, I know uh, Roger Ebert hated it. Yes, he did. He said it was the worst uh the worst Christmas Carol adaptation ever made. So And he never saw an all-American Christmas Carol. <laughs> <laughs> so what do you guys say? You are you I mean, obviously 70 Obviously I have it higher. Yeah. Uh, I guess I kind of get it like why it's uh, to me, it feel like it's low, but I mean, I love it. I love this yeah, movie, right? Um, but I think I also get why, like, because, like, like, I mean, well, Jerry, you said your wife doesn't really like it, right? Like, my wife doesn't really care for it either. Like, every time I'm like a big fan either. <laughs> I, every time I bring up the fact that I'm I'm gonna watch it, she's like, "Oh, why would you want to watch that?" Like, <laughs> right? It's, it's great. It's funny. Like, mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Know. I think well, it goes and, back to the nostalgic part of it too for us because when we saw it, Nicholas, when you said when you saw it for the first time, you didn't really like it because you didn't really get it, and so right. watching it later, so mm-hmm. it's not for everybody, I don't think. Yeah, so that's why I said I think I get why it has right. as low of a score as it does, but at the same time, like I feel like it should be higher. Like, yeah, 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 yeah. It's one of my top three favorite Christmas movies. So, oh wow! It depending on like my mood. Yeah. Um, I like it's this one Home Alone and Christmas Vacation and they kind of just alternate you know gotcha, gotcha. and then Muppet Christmas Carol right underneath um, <laughs> but th- th- I mean those are just three that like I have to watch every year it's mm-hmm. like same thing I gotta watch Charlie Brown I gotta watch The Grinch where it doesn't feel like Christmas and for movies yeah. it's those those three like I have to at least see those and so it's just one of those where like I get like just like you said I understand why people don't like it that much Mm-hmm. Uh, at, at least mentally, I can comprehend it, uh, but like I don't get it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, <laughs> if that makes any sense, because it's so yeah, because <laughs> it's funny. It, yeah. You're right. It it everything that you said is true. It it is funny. It is uh, just entertaining. And uh, I mean, who doesn't like seeing Carol Kane beating the crap out of a uh, out of Bill Murray? Pardon mm-hmm. my diction. You know, I mean, <laughs> it's just I, yeah. I think it's probably in the upper 70s lower 80s for me i don't think it's my top three it's definitely my top 10 and it's definitely one that i watch every year probably it's probably closer to top five for me um yeah but but it's still fun i mean you know i want once again i think it's it's a lot of the nostalgia for me like watching it again like i said doesn't it hasn't aged as well as i would have liked it to i there's i see more kind of chinks in the armor now that i have but i know that i'm older so it does knock it down a few pegs but out it's still worth watching for sure mm-hmm. yeah no i i just i had to do the math real fast just now it, it definitely top five top 10 for sure uh, mm-hmm. close to top five i mean yeah. i i would i would put elf and christmas story a little ahead of it but you know you hit the nail on the head with muppet christmas carol on christmas vacation <laughs> yeah christmas oh vacation yeah those are by far yeah, yeah. <laughs> christmas vacation stays at the top of my list uh yeah for sure. that's a good one so all right. Well, thank you so much, guys, for being a part. So, uh, Jerry, tell us about Totally Rad Christmas, what you got going on this December. Sure. Well, I've had to alter a few things because uh, of medical yeah. issues that have yeah. kind of come up uh, randomly. 
So no Cobra very... episode? No. <laughs> <laughs> Unfortunately, that I was planned to, to do that Cobra. And it just, uh, that one, I had like a, basically half of what I've uh, planned to do, I'm doing. And the rest, right. I'm just going to fill in with little mini episodes of gotcha. me talking about whatever. Um, but I got, I still have some fun stuff. There's a Whose Line Is It Anyway episode coming up. Uh, I'm just the 10 of us just dropped we have mm-hmm. uh a chuck e cheese there's gonna be a chuck e cheese episode mm-hmm. the, i don't know if you remember the uh the biggest most beautiful christmas tree in the world it was a little golden book that one's i don't uh, think i remember that one yeah it was one that we uh read growing up um, <laughs> donkey kong uh saturday night live so uh i, oh, I got some fun one. stuff coming up yeah for sure but not quite all the things that i wanted to do which is a bummer but yeah but but you, you know you it is what christmas, it is and you can find you, me yeah you get uh, christmas three every all year round so that's right yeah eventually i'll get to them and mm-hmm. uh you can find me at uh uh facebook and instagram at totally rad christmas twitter at rad christmas uh, mastodon i am at uh at totally rad christmas at mastodon.world and totally rad christmas.com you can get to me and i have a facebook group as well mm-hmm. the totally rad christmas mall and arcade where you can post anything uh, 80s or Christmas related, and I pretty much let it go. So. <laughs> <laughs> Very cool. Yeah, definitely check out Totally Rad Christmas. What you got, Nicholas, with the pop culture roulette guys? What do you guys got for the holidays? Mm. We, uh, we're we doing some Christmas-themed episodes. Uh, we just actually recorded, so by the time this comes out, we'll have put out the, our reindeer episode, cover the history of uh, Santa's reindeer. Okay. I think, uh, I mean, we're, we got a couple other things. We got a... The, the the sister show or the I guess the mother show I don't know what it is. <laughs> the show the, the show that spawned everything media pod smash we're doing a another big game show for Christmas where you know I think we're gonna cover Mrs. Claus and I I'm I'm trying to figure out how to build a bracket based solely off Christmas Carol oh okay but I haven't I haven't I've got that I haven't quite figured that one out definitely check out pop culture roulette as always. Uh, always a fun time with those guys, whatever they decide to talk about, because it it does, it is much more varied than than our episodes and even Jerry's episodes. But always a fun time. So check them out. Right on. All right, everybody, be sure to follow, subscribe, rate, and review our episode as well as these guys' episodes. If you enjoyed the episode, share with someone who loves eighties flicks. Uh, follow us on social media: Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, and TikTok. Visit the website. Go check out our online store. We've got some 80s Christmas flick inspired t-shirts and mugs that if you want to get one for yourself or buy one for a family member or friend, uh, definitely do that. So it helps to support the show and also become a member on buymeacoffee.com to help keep the show going. And we'll have some more fun stuff uh, to be doing. Uh, It's been kind of crazy. I won't give a bunch of excuses, but you know, it is the holidays. Things get busy. So got more fun stuff that we'll definitely be doing uh next year but but let's uh let's keep keep going the rest of 2022 and have a wonderful merry christmas we got more more christmas episode coming up in two weeks so you don't want to miss that so uh thank you guys once again for being a part really appreciate having both of you double the fun on this episode so thanks again so much for being here thanks for having us thanks for having me all right everybody this is 80s flick flashback podcast i'm tim williams good night good people
on a cell phone near you. A show for all the manly men out there, where guys talk about their favorite movies and what they can teach us about being a man. Featuring the coolest guests. Murder somebody is not like killing an ant. The most gratifying laughs. It's Tombstone, what can I say? (laughs) (laughs) And a fresh take on movies like you've never heard before. This will be the thing that gets written on his proverbial tombstone. We aren't here to criticize the movies you love, but to praise them for how they apply to our lives as husbands, fathers, and really all men in general. So buckle up your seatbelts, because Manly Movies is here. Subscribe on iTunes, Spotify, or your other favorite podcast catcher. And remember, man up. Hey, everybody. Do you ever just sit around with your friends and reminisce about days and how things used to be when you were a kid or a teenager or maybe even a young adult. The TV shows and the movies that you watched at the time and how things just aren't quite the same today. Well, let me tell you, I've got the place for you. My name is Chris Adams and I'm the host of the podcast Retro Life for You. And here at Retro Life for You, we talk about and discuss movies and TV that is retro. And we are going back from the 80s and the 90s and into the 2000s. Hey, sometimes we might even touch back to the 70s if we're feeling good. If this is for you, make sure you look for us on everywhere that you can find your podcast at. Spotify, iTunes, Amazon, Google, Stitcher, or hosted on Anchor FM. And make sure you follow us on all the major networks and leave us a rating and a review. It really does help. Look forward to hearing from you. You're still here? It's over. Go home. Go.